Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Friday, uh, January the 22nd of 2021. As always, uh, it is a delight. I am joined uh, here today by my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando. It is always a delight for us and an honor. We consider it, and, uh, and we, we mean it with the utmost reverence as we handle God's word. Uh, to be able to study and discuss prophecy and the things that are taking place in such an hour. And this is the hour, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, that God is speaking. We have come to the end of time. We have come to where the Bible has prophesied and told us about that these days, this is what the prophets spoke about. This is what Jesus spoke about. This is what the apostles spoke about. They point it to this day. And so we are a privileged generation. This is uh, to, to be able to, to see these things happen right before our eyes. So we consider it an honor uh, to spend time with you, that you would set time to spend time with us, and, and we can discuss and, and hear what God is saying in this hour. So we're going to get right into on this Friday, it's the last day of the week before we go into the weekend. And uh, I know God always has something for us uh, to ponder over the weekend, to think. If you haven't had a chance to hear the podcast on this week, we've had some tremendous discussions and studies of what God is taking, of what, of what is taking place, the parallels that are taking place in our time. And I would uh, encourage you uh, to tell somebody, or if you haven't listened to them, to go ahead and listen to them. But good to have each and every one of you. So, Brother Marty. We'll leave it to you uh, to share what God has placed in your heart today as we study and discuss the Word of God. Amen. We come to uh, the end of our first week in the new America as the transition of power has taken place and really the world is now set on a course that will begin to unfold more and more as we enter into the coming days and weeks already. Executive orders have been signed that will affect the whole world, really not just the people in the United States, but there are policies that are being enacted and set in motion uh, that are going to lead to some incredible things. As we've discussed in the past, we're seeing it happen right before our eyes. And yet there's many that uh, don't understand. Uh, they have yet to wake up to the, uh, to the new reality. Uh, but the times themselves are going to force us to take an, an, an incredible look uh, at the reality of where we have come as a nation, but primarily our duty and our efforts are geared toward the uh, the church of, of the Lord in this nation and around the world, but pr primarily for our people here. And those of you who find yourself uh, pretty much like sheep without a shepherd, and uh, we're, we're pointing you to the great shepherd, and that's what we continue to do today. So as we get into our study today, we're going to be coming to you once again out of the Book of Lamentations, uh, the witness of the prophet Jeremiah uh, and, and what happened to Judah and Jerusalem uh, and the parallels that we see prophetically for our time and what we can learn from them. So, Brother Jeremy, I'm going to have you read today one verse as we get started in Lamentations chapter 3, beginning with verse 6. And we ask the Lord's blessing to anoint our thoughts, our discussion, and those of you that are listening and shall listen your hearts and minds and uh, and your spirits as well, and that we would magnify above all Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Brother Jeremy. Amen. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He has set me in dark places, and he, he gives this interesting phrase, which we'll explore here in a second, where he says, uh, as they that be dead of old. You know, <laughs> the serious plight, I don't know how else to say it now, of the American church, it cannot be understated. We need to reflect on the past uh, and study the judgments of the Lord in order to brace ourselves and be wise. You know, as I've been reflecting today, all of us in, in this nation, we of his people, we need to understand what we are about to and, and really already have entered into. 
um, it, it's a concluded matter. You know, many people don't really understand yet. Not that we claim to understand everything, but we've been at this now for almost a year. Uh, it began over the, uh, you know, the, the first weeks of March uh, when we entered into, in 2020, the national lockdown, which really was kind of like, um, you know, the concluding nation as we watched the pandemic and its effects spread across the world and ultimately came to rest here on the shores of the United States. And, and really, our country hasn't been the same since. And, and much of what was transpiring over 2020 was really the hand of the Lord beginning to deal with his church. And how the church reacted in 2020 was, was vital to how uh, the rest of, uh, of, of, of the days ahead of us would, would be determined. Would we find the grace and the staying hand of God? Or would we, in effect, stumble our way through and, and, uh, and find ourselves now in a precarious position? What has come to pass has been allowed. All things are under the control of the Lord. But as we've been speaking over the past several weeks in earnest, really, um, the question and the issue is uh, emanating from the top down. And, and, you know, while we can focus on political things and global things, we have been primarily focusing on the establishment from both the denominational world and the neo-Pentecostal charismatic world ruling elite, those who have led the church to the place that we see now. And so, you know, we have to understand these things um, and understand that what has happened, what is really going on is that judgment has come to the American church. Now, I know that people don't like to hear that, but I would be remiss and my brothers as well if we didn't at least speak what we sense in our heart. So those of you that are just joining us, we ask you to give an honest reflection and, and pause and at least give us a hearing. Um, and you need to go back and listen to some of the podcasts leading up to this one in order to, uh, to enter into the, into the understanding that we've been trying to express. You know, and as I said, I really believe that judgment has come. And, you know, we're, we're early days into this, uh, but uh, going forward, all of us are going to be affected. Remember this. Don't forget this, that, that the Lord, he knows how to protect those who find themselves in times like ours, as he always has. Whether it's what Noah and his family before and through the flood or Father Abraham in the days of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Even the Lord rescuing Abraham's nephew Lot primarily be, and exclusively, really, because Abraham prayed for it. And and throughout history, really, the, this has been the case, yet it, it really didn't preclude them from having to endure the times. You know, one of the things that we see in the American church and what evolved over multiple decades was a very soft pseudo-spirituality. We became like the Laodicean church, proclaiming that we were rich and increased with goods and have absolutely need of nothing. But when you study the Laodicean church in the book of Revelation, which is the final church mentioned there, and what you see is a whole group of people uh, having a, a celebration as a community claiming to be the church, but Christ called them lukewarm. And we see a picture of the Lord as it's revealed in Revelation 3 of him actually standing on the outside with a closed door, and he's knocking on the door, but nobody's coming to the door. Nobody answers the door. And that is a perfect reflection of the inevitability of the compromise that seeped into the American church through its establishment and filtered down into even the smallest churches over a series of multiple decades. Decades that witnessed prophets of God that were sent to her yet ignored as the idolatry and the sin and the corruption behind closed doors continued to increase. Uh, you know, the message and the true gospel of, of the Lord Jesus Christ began to erode and emerge in the 21st century uh, in, into the hands of the children of those who went before. They were the Hophni and Phineases. They are the ones who have brought the church to this mega church, this worldly-like expression with a Jesus stamped on it only to legitimize their platforms and enrich themselves going forth. Viewing the people nothing more than cattle for their own purposes, sheep for their own fleecing, 
and 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 as Jesus said, they 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 tear down widows' houses, and for pretense they make long prayers. They love the uppermost seats at the festivals, the chief seats, and they love the greeting in the marketplace. Pastor, preacher, evangelist, <laughs> doctor. All of them are doctors or prophets or apostles. But we've come to this point now. And 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 when judgment falls, we're not talking about corrective judgment. We're talking about finality. And that is what we see in the history of the scriptures. When the finality of the judgment that we've been exploring came, and the gavel, if you will, came down on 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 the judicial bench, and 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 the and the the sentence is proclaimed. It's not a sentence that was uh, thought of at the moment the gavel fell. It is a sentence that was warned throughout multiple generations would inevitably come. The inclination of many in these times is to is to ask God why but the truth of the matter is is that it's happened as a result of neglecting to listen to the convicting power of the holy spirit and so the idolatry the sin the compromise and all the things we've been talking about which we're all guilty of it worked to be a narcotic that put to sleep and uh, the heart and the mind and the conscience of many a narcotic that, I use that word because that's exactly what painkillers and narcotics do. They numb you. So that even when the Holy Spirit was trying to reach over the last several decades, really the last 20, 25, 30 years especially, um, there was no sense of it. There was no conviction. Jeremiah described it in his time as the people couldn't even blush anymore at sin. And a whole construct began to emerge. One of the things that is that is not really pondered but should be in order to understand it correctly is that when we continually, whether it's in our personal life or in the corporate collective of the church in this country, when we continue to uh, have encroached on our lives the kinds of things that the Scripture and the Holy Spirit, uh, when we first got saved, would quickly warn us about and we would repent, over time, we began to allow more and more things into the economy of the church and the collective community of the church. So that the experiences of most became one of, of a steady uh, intravenous spiritual drip, if you will, that began to, over time, inoculate us against the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And, and messages like the hyper-grace movement, the message of the cross movement, that whole thing which makes people uncomfortable when I say those things, but I, I don't really care, you know, because the truth of the matter is, is that it completely removed from the collective consciousness, the responsibility of every individual believer to walk before his God and to work out his salvation with fear and trembling. Messages began to go forth that abrogated us from personal responsibility of choosing right from wrong. And when you do that, then you have no mode Eventually, what begins to happen, those early seeds blossom into fruit-bearing, corrupted and compromised trees. Jesus said it in effect. He said, a tree will be known by its fruit. Well, I don't need to rehearse the sins that we've seen since the mid-80s up until now, but the fruit of the tree of the, uh, you know, of the American church is obvious to behold. And what this ended up doing was, was really crushing the faith of so many and the simplicity of desiring to live in, a, in, in an almost innocent and naive way was, was, was mocked and ridiculed as being religious or being, you know, uh, you know, under the law or whatever they wanted to call it. But you see, we've talked about this before. It, it, this isn't something that happened overnight. This is something that has progressively brought us to this point. And though you may not be able to see it now, there are those servants who have climbed up upon the wall by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and set his servants there, his true servants. They were there, you know, decades before, and we've talked about it multiple times. I believe God allowed, and I'm talking about the American church now, God allowed uh, the blessed Peter Marshall, uh, the United States chaplain, a Presbyterian minister, to rise up in the in the mid to late 30s and thunder great messages of God from the capital city of our nation, warning the nation, even then, of what was coming should we continue down the path of compromise and idolatry. And then coming out of that and emerging into the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, we had 
Brother uh, A.W. Tozer, we had Vance Havner, we had Brother Blessed Brother Leonard Ravenhill, and ultimately Brother David Wilkerson. They weren't the only ones, but they were they were on an international and public and national level. But what emerged was a church that refused to listen, you know, relegating them to the to the dustbin of 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 inconsequence, just out of touch with the times. And so a whole new generation took the reins and the mantle of the uh, of the establishment and began to drive the nation in a way that ultimately, little by little, began to erode the separation mentality of the church from the world. And so that now you can't even tell the difference because the lines have been so completely blurred. And so what emerged and flushed itself out by the time we got to 2016 was was a totally fully compromised and 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 uh, desensitized ruling class at the establishment level, level that sets the policy and and the message for the collective body of Christ as it relates to a media driven church it was just really where the gospel ended up coming to and then what you ended up having were little churches with faithful pastors and congregations closing because they could no longer survive and neither were they being able to draw crowds because the crowds weren't being drawn to to fasting and prayer and study of the word and rejoicing in the presence of God, singing the simple songs of, of, of the hymns of the church and all that kind of stuff. It was turned upon. It was frowned upon. And it was stamped with with irrelevance and 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 phrased in, 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 in you know, in phrases and couched in, in, you know, in flowery language of of why it was illegitimate now and religious. And then after a series of maybe 10, 20, 30 years now, we came out into 2016 with a completely, you know, compromised ruling class who married itself to political ideology and became drunk with their access to power, ushering in uh, one that they chose for themselves in spite of all the compromise and the things we won't rehash, but that was in our face. And, and we looked the other way. And you know why most of us looked the other way? Because we were guilty of the very same sins. We had no standard. And so we, we slapped the, you know, the, the word grace on it. And, and we put our leaders up in front of the body and began to tell the body of Christ that, oh, it's okay. We've prayed with him. He's saved and blah, blah, blah. And, and the corruption is at such a level as to even, you know, almost reflect a, a spider's web of deceit and lies and delusion and the illusion of, of, of the promise of what? Of, of political power? As if Jesus was a Republican, like I've said many times, who wraps himself in the American flag and wears a MAGA hat. That's my Jesus. That's not my Jesus. What about the 95% of the rest of the brothers throughout the world? who have suffered, who have endured persecution for, for a century at least, whether it be China or Africa or the Middle East, whether it be the, uh, the gulags of the Russian dungeons or, or, or the concentration camps of modern-day China, or the persecution of, of, of the Catholic Church to, to the brothers and sisters who simply wanted to serve God outside the, the established, uh, you know, a ruling religious class of their territories in South and Central America, on and on and on. And so we've come to this now, even closing out 2020, as we spoke about it many, many times, you know, conspiracy theories and all kinds of, you know, false prophets proclaiming that the president was going to endure and he, he would, uh, he would exist for another four years and on and on and on. And now that these things have come crumbling down at our feet, we have witnessed something that you really don't understand what's happened. Very few of you do. And there are many that do, but there's very few that really haven't got your bearings yet. What is actually happening? And I started out talking about God is faithful to keep his people in these kinds of times because he is. But it doesn't abrogate us from going through the times. So all of us need to become familiar with the understanding of how God has acted throughout his word and throughout history and how he has always preserved and protected his people, not out of the fire like Jesus said. I'm not praying you take them out of the world, Father, but that you'll keep them from the evil. And so we see the pattern and we've come to this. There are concluding moments of judgment that happen. They're ultimate judgments and they always set in motion 
the will and the counsel and the purpose of God as revealed to his holy prophets throughout the ages. And that's what we are, we are, we, we believe very confidently so that we have entered into those days and they had to come. Brother Fernando pointed out something yesterday. We discussed it, that the very policies that of the marriage of the ruling religious elite in our nation, which married itself to the political powers, all they were doing in essence in their ignorance and because of their lack uh, of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and their drunken arrogance, all they did was set in motion uh, you know, a whole series of events that have concluded with the wrestling away of the nation from anything that we have known before. And now the entire apparatus of this country has been infiltrated with children of the devil. And they're coming after you and me. And so <laughs> when judgment falls like this, it's not, it's not meant to correct anymore. It's actually meant to bring down upon the planet as it's revealed in the ancient prophets what is now inevitable and what has been prophesied since the beginning. There is coming a wicked one who is in the wings. There is coming a, a, a complete and absolute domination of the globe. There is now coming a separation of the people from their rulers and a demonically inspired political ruling class that views the rest of the population as subservient serfs to their every whim. These are the children of the wicked. These are the ones that the Bible has talked about. So it brings us to this place. Remember, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, you know, they were saved in the fire, but they were saved nonetheless, right? The Lord Jesus himself protected them. Daniel was preserved where? In the lion's den. Why are you saying that? Because and the Lord doesn't deliver us out of the times. Good people always suffer with 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 bad people. It, it, that's just the way it is, you know. And but but when we understand it from the proper perspective of biblical and spiritual guidance by the Holy Spirit, understanding, then we understand that we're part of something that is far greater and far more, uh, you know, significant than just our own immediate circle in my own personal life. We need to begin to allow all of us, the Holy Spirit, to elevate us into the understanding of what it is that is actually happening. Because really what we are witnessing and what we are part of in this generation is an ongoing, unfolding plan of the Most High God. And how that works in all the machinations of it, in all the intricate you know, pieces of it, everything that connects and flows the the you know the, the the reactions to every event all of it is leading somewhere and we find ourselves at this time now in essence living up under prophetic times and they are unique we talked about the fullness of time we talked about those things because there are always times and God always deals with with particular generations from generation to generation but there's also generations of his wrath, generations of his blessing, generations of his deliverance. It culminates through a series of centuries. And here we are in the 21st century. And what has transpired now is that kind of cycle. And we have entered into what we believe are the end times. Now the Lord has promised because we keep the word of his patience that he will watch over us, much as he told the church of Philadelphia in Revelation 3, 10 and 11, he said, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also protect and keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. This is, this is global now. Everything we've been experiencing is global. That's what makes our times unique. The entire planet is connected. And all nations are now going through the crucible of trial that has just begun. The heat is being turned up. It's going to accelerate. And God's people within it need to come to grips with that. And they need to understand, all of us, where we are and where we're headed. But also laying hold on the promises of hope that are given to those that truly have separated and allowed themselves to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit and continue to allow the Holy Spirit to work upon us. To, to be purged, to be made white, 
and, and to be tried up under the heat and scrutiny of the Spirit, as opposed to being given over to the trial and scrutiny of the wicked one. God will preserve his children. And he says, and 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 up under the, you know, the prophecy of this, he goes on to say in Revelation 311, mm-hmm. behold, I'm coming quickly. That's what we need to anchor our soul to. This is probably going to be the most difficult thing at first for people to come to grips with. Because we live in such a horizontal reality, what's immediately in front of our face. Rarely do we look up. Rarely do we consider that we're actually uh, on, a, on a planet in the middle of a magnificent universe. It's the Lord's planet. And we're, we're the inhabitants of that planet. But we live in a universe nonetheless. We live in a solar system. We live on the third arm of a spiral galaxy called the Milky Way galaxy, one of a hundred trillion galaxies known to man. This is a vast and massive, expansive, wonderful thing that, that the Creator has done. But we live our lives so horizontally and so you know, wrapped up in our own material lives that we never allow, because of that you know, immersion into that false darkness that has been placed upon the minds of collective humanity by the spirit of wickedness, the devil himself. That's what Paul said. Their eyes and their, and their minds are blinded. That's what he said, the, 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 the minds of those that he hath blinded, lest they should believe the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. There is, a, there is a blinding that is collective to humanity. It is by way of the cross, the resurrection, and the gospel, that, you know, when, when we come to that, that he flips the switch on in our spirit and soul, and we begin to begin to see in measure as we grow in him what this is really all about. And as we enter into these times, what he's trying to do is open our consciousness, for lack of a better word, enlarge our steps, you know, uh, inhabit our, our very being with his presence so that deep can call to deep. So you can compare spiritual things with spiritual things. That is what we're going to need. And as we go forward, he will open our eyes. He will enlighten us. That's why Paul prayed that way. Oh, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, right? That you might know something. What? What is the hope of his calling? And what is the glory of his riches and his inheritance in the saints? You are a special group of people. You have entered into the fellowship of the community of the saints of the living God. From Abel till now, there has been a, a, an amassing of the saints of God throughout the ages. A collective family is being built. And as we near the end, that's why we see what we're seeing, just what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, right? All creation is groaning and, and longing, right, for the manifestation of the sons of God. If we do not anchor ourselves to this big picture mentality as guided and elevated through the Holy Spirit within us, you will not be able to stand. Jesus described it as iniquity abounding. He called it great tribulation. So much so that he's going to interject himself into human history in the second Passover and cut the day short for his elect. An incredible time. But we have his promise that he's coming quickly and that we have to hold fast to that which we have in him, so that no man takes our crown. And so that brings us to what we began with in verse 6. Could you read that again, Brother Jeremy? He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. See, what they... What the Lord was revealing through his prophet and what the church of his time who came up under the global system and the Antichrist of their day, which was Nebuchadnezzar, what they couldn't understand and what blew their mind was that it actually happened. Even though they had been warned, and I've already at length you know, gone on this morning with my opening monologue here, but, but this is what we're, what we're going to come to. They, they, they didn't understand. They really never got it. They had, they had completely gone into such a decline, a managed satanic decline, that when, when the time came that it actually happened, it, they, they look around and go, what happened? But you see, the Lord allowed them to be set in dark places. What that means is when they came into the actual time, the word and phrases of dark places literally mean when they seek the light, the, the light has been withheld now. 
your opportunity to understand. He's talking about a particular class of people. Remember, Jerusalem was filled with the ruling elite, with with the you know the the nobility and the and the compromised wealthy amongst the the church. And that's who he's talking about. When they when they finally begin to realize that they no longer have access like they did, they suddenly realize when they when they seek to understand, they find themselves in a place where there is no light. They have no answers. And then he uses this phrase, and it's frightening. He uses it uh, in this way. He says, he set me in, in dark places where there is no light as them that be dead of old. He's referencing the ancient world there. And he's attributing to their generation the same kind of sin that emerged in the days just prior to the ultimate flood in Noah's time. And he says, that's how bad we became. That we could walk around and prance around and act this and that way and the other and, and not think uh, that it mattered. That there would be no consequence for our behavior. And then uh, ultimately uh, living and acting in certain ways so that our behavior no longer even matters. There's no position of, of repentance because repentance isn't desired or even thought to be necessary. And so he says, you will be as they, in that the light is withheld from you, like the dead of old. That's what happened to them. As they approached judgment, the light was withheld, precisely because of the behavior and the activities they were engaged in. And and we 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 did a whole study on the on the godly lineage that led through up to Moses, right? We went through Methuselah and Noah, and I'm not Moses, but uh, Noah and Jared and all them, and what happened. We talked about what happened to his brothers and sisters and his family. I mean, this whole thing, right? It ended up just being Noah and his seven family members that that went into the ark. Few. So there's always few, and that's who we're addressing ourselves to, the remnant. You are the remnant. And I know these words are frightening because they are to me. But yet God says the collective has no light and they are as that generation of old who are the dead of the ancient world, basically is what he's talking about. He likens Judah's Jerusalem's church to those who sinned against light persistently. And our prayer is God help us to understand what we're entering into. Give us thy presence, Lord. Give us thy ability to speak these things to those that we love. And then he goes on in verse 7 to say what, Brother Jeremy? Verse 7. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. See, as the days approach, this is what's going to happen to the undiscerning. It's the truth of our times. They're going to grow more and more apparent in the days ahead. And, and it's interesting what Jeremiah says that they were saying, he's hedged me about. In other words, there's a wall all around me. And and this phrase, they cannot get out. I can't get out. That's what they say. I can't get out. They sought means to escape. That, that's what that reveals to us. When they realize that they're surrounded, and that's what's going to happen. I'm telling you, in the next hundred days, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And what I mean by that is laws being passed, culture as we know it, the floodgates opening for the perversions and the filth and, and, and all the things that that really, I mean, you think it's bad now. Uh, they've been held at bay. We've seen them. We know what's going on. But as Brother Fernando quoted the other day from the book of Revelation, Babylon has become the the, <laughs> the cage of every foul and unclean and hateful bird and the habitation of devils. There is nothing restraining this spirit that's beginning to express itself through the ruling political class elite. And every strata of the nation's apparatus has been corrupted, whether it's the judicial, the legislative, the executive, or even the military branches, educational branches, entertainment branches. Go down the list of our culture and society. It is now in the power and control of bad people. And so when that really dawns on, on the majority of the church that has been led 
by these preachers and false prophets and who have taught them to think a completely different way. When they wake up to it, brothers and sisters, they're going to realize we're surrounded like a giant wall all around us, and they're going to try and figure out how do we get out of this. But then he goes on to say, my chain is heavy. And what they're going to realize is that they're now shackled to the will and the domination of the cruel rod of judgment and those who will rule over them. We've got a whole new sheriff in town, as they say. And these people are not good people. Trust me. I, I can get, I'm a target for even saying those kinds of things. Trust me, <laughs> but I don't care. It is the Lord who protects. It is the Lord who keeps. And it is his presence that drives darkness away. But, but really what happens, is, and this, I really got, I, I was frightened reviewing this this morning in verse eight, what he reveals. Can you read verse eight, brother? Jeremy? Also, when I cry and shout, he shutted out my prayer. I mean, think of that. What's going to what what's going to dawn on them is a sense of incredible fright, because everything we've known is about to change. Especially those who go by the by the by the name Christian or Judeo Christian, whatever phrase you want to stamp on it. Those who 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 have now been identified through their trust me, brothers and sisters, you know what they're doing. They, they they are quantifying, categorizing, and, and, and taking all data from everybody through these super intelligent AI systems that are able to quantify everything. They are able to open up the voting records. Who'd you vote for? What party are you affiliated with? What church do you go to? Who do you give to in your taxes? All of it's being examined. And that's how they're going to delineate and that is how they're going to quantify and categorize because they view us and they view the church, the true church, as the enemy of the state now. They are not going to let these people who, who they now saw walk the halls of the White House and, and, and became the ecumenical counsel to the president, false prophets laying hands on him, leading him in certain directions. And 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 uh, and bringing about a political thing that ultimately will now begin to result in the persecution of the innocent as well as the compromised. And when they realize this, the the intensity will grow and it will become so precarious that they begin to cry and shout to the Lord. But what Jeremiah says is, He has shut out my prayer. I mean, really, did did we did we reach such an arrogance that we actually thought we could continue in idolatry and sin? And then after having neglected multiple decades of the Lord's attempts to plead with the church in our nation to turn from our sins, do we expect him to simply rescue us now that we, we're, we're reaping the fruit of our own doing? He shuts the prayer. This is frightening to me. And then he says in verse 9, what, Brother Jeremy? Verse 9. He hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. He hath made my path crooked. This is incredible. You know, the hewn stone, he uses that description. And think about what that implies. It's Hewn stone isn't just a bunch of rocks. It's actually carefully crafted um, you know, extracted from the mountainside. It's chiseled and and hewn and, 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 and honed into a perfect building block. So what, what he was basically saying is, is that it was quarried. It, you know, hewn stone has to be quarried and then transported to the location and then assembled. And so when he says he's enclosed my ways with hewn stone, it's the sudden realization. It's almost like the flooding of the conscience of all the voices, all the time God had tried to tell us throughout all the decades leading up to this moment now, uh, that this isn't something that happened overnight. This is hewn stone. You know, the intent to take it out of the mountain, the intent to quarry it, right? The intent to transport it, the intent to assemble it. All of that speaks of time. 
and and <laughs> and so it, what it really shows is they didn't see what was actually happening while they were dancing before the golden calf, if you will pardon the Exodus wilderness reference. They didn't see it happening. It's hewn stone. It's it's something that happened over time, and when it finally dawns on them, they'll realize that that this has been in the making. The judgment was always coming. And with every, uh, you know, arrogant denial of God's prophets throughout the, the last century, the chisel was coming down as they were extracting a situation that would hem them in. And then it says, the you know, the old paths, right? My paths, he says, um, are crooked. Again, another reference to to their attempt spiritually, right, to get to the Lord, the old paths they once used to get to God. He he calls them my path. Um, They've become crooked. What he means by that is precisely when they need, and they're they're now attempting to seek God, once they they had known straight access to God, right, and they knew how to get to God and to the Lord. But now they have no road. In other words, the road is now uh, is now full of obstructions. That's really what that means when you dig into it. it, it and and it, it causes them to go left and right, up and down, almost in a circular motion. What it really represents is all the neglect, all the debris of a neglected relationship with God, so that simply... Now they're not even familiar with the path or how to get to God. They're just going in circles now. And the road is strewn with with all the idols that they allowed the life of the nation to be corrupted with. And they don't know how to get to God. Read verse 17 and 18, Brother Jeremy, would you? Yes. And thou has removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity, and I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. This is this is incredible. You have removed my soul far off from peace. See, what this reveals is, is, is precisely what has happened. They became lukewarm. And so now in the midst of what they now realize is, is, an, is an impending doom, a sense of foreboding growing on the collective consciousness, whether they'll admit it or not. There's an anxiety. There's a fear out there. Maybe you feel it. I feel it. Maybe you sense it. If you have little children, <laughs> you know, my God. Oh, God, help me. Help me, Lord. In, in the case of his children, he will. In the case of the compromise, who brought about this situation for them it will be even greater of a burden again i'm not addressing our listeners i'm addressing the ruling class because they bear the biggest brunt because they were in control of this whole madness that became what we saw in the last four years really a culmination of years and years of compromise my soul is far he said from peace what that reveals is that the mind, the soul, didn't abide fixed upon the Lord. So their their peace is now far from them. That's what Isaiah said, right? He said, thou will keep them in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on thee because they trust in thee. So when they begin to cry out and say, my soul is, is, you know, is anxious, it's agitated, there is no peace for me. To the point that I forgot the blessing days. That's how serious this is. This is what they went through. This is what we're about to continue to experience in intensity. Those whose minds were not fixed on the Lord, they will have no peace. And that's what they're really confessing with their mouth. It is a, it is a you know, it's an indication. It's a revelation uh, of an outward expression of an inward truth. It, it reveals to us that this people, their minds weren't fixed on the Lord. I forgot prosperity, right? The precious time with our Lord. That's real prosperity. They're not talking about money here, even though that was a, you know, a case here with with the fact that they economically were being judged as well, which is coming. 
for those who have not sowed in the true ways of the Lord, whether it's prayer, whether it's giving, whether it's helping the poor, the widow, a cup of cold water to a child, whatever it may be, in the time of famine, they will have nothing to draw from because they didn't take the time to sow the seeds of benevolence as led by the Spirit. And this leads to another truth, right? Verse 18, he said, And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Again, this is a revelation of, of relationship. Precisely when you need strength and hope, the awful truth is the neglect and the continuous compromise and, and the lack of intensity spiritually. They realize that I'm trying to find God. I'm yelling. I'm shouting. It's as if I have n none of my prayers are being heard. I'm going around in circles. I'm trying to get back to that once vibrant relationship with God in the time of this distress, right? And they said, it's a crooked path, though. I, I don't even know how to get back to God. And then they said, when I'm pursuing God now, I have no peace. I'm anxious. My strength and my hope is perished. In other words, I can't find the way home. They have no strength, no hope. They don't know how to approach God anymore. See, <laughs> even while we have time now, brothers and sisters, I'm encouraging all of us to continue to pursue God. You're going to need the spiritual capital that is built within your, your, your consciousness, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and the depth of our heart and our spirit, the inward part, the hidden part, make us to know wisdom. Well, I don't know how to pray. <laughs> you know what? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to you who know how to pray. And, and if you're going to make excuses about prayer, I don't want to talk to you. It's not. Right. It, it, it won't do you any good. But I'm encouraging you now, seek God. Get, remove the obstructions from the road. So that the, the paths aren't crooked. They're straight to God. We need him now more than ever. I'm not talking about sinless perfection here, brothers and sisters. None of us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I know the spirit of God. And he's telling each and every one of us, look, <laughs> while you can, right? while there's still time left, while he's bringing these kinds of words out, let us run to him in desperation and say, God, help us. Because the time is at hand where if you fail and neglect even now to do that, when it matters most, you, you won't be able to. It requires a gift of the Spirit and the strengthening of the Spirit in order to keep you. But if you neglect that day after day, month after month, week after week, if you view being with God as a task or an obligation, you don't know him. Mm -hmm. It is relationship. David would say things, and I pray someday to even remotely bring these words across my heart and lips, but, I mean, David said this, I desire you more than my necessary food. As the, as the deer panted after the water, so my soul longeth after thee. I have esteemed thy word more highly than my necessary food. These are levels of, of the embrace of God that emits from the very action, from the interior expression of the Spirit, for lack of a better word, an energy of light that surrounds us, the light that surrounds the children of God, seen and perceived by the unseen world as a protective shell around his children. But in this case, what Jeremiah exposed here was the sad commentary on those who had once known him. And 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 through a series of multiple years, neglected their relationship with him to such an extent that eventually when the time came and then they went to him, what they were what they were struck by and and the horrific realization to themselves was that 
I don't even know how to get to God anymore. But then he says this in, in verse 19, 20, and 21. Can you read all that, Brother Jeffrey, to 19 and 20? Yes, 19 and 20. Remembering my affliction, my affliction, my misery, the wormwood and the gal, my soul had them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. That's the key. It 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 is it is yet the extended hand of mercy because he begins to reflect on the affliction, the misery, the wormwood, and the gall. And he says, my soul hath them still in remembrance. What is that? His strength and his hope. I still remember what I used to have with God. And when you get to that most raw, basic emotion, it is the work of the Spirit. And he says, now my soul is humbled in me. See, <laughs> one of the most dramatic lessons we can learn in these kinds of things, is is how far we've drifted and sometimes we can't understand that and god in his abundant and eternal goodness and mercy which endures forever allows things at times he allows them he doesn't inflict them upon us our behavior has brought us to this point our lack of intensity our cavalier attitude toward the blessing of god in our life do you seek him do you pursue him every day do you thank him for every beat of your heart for every breath that you fill your lungs with because that's a gift for the smile of your children and the innocence that looks at you through their eyes when their eyes are so white and clear because they haven't been tainted by a lifetime of this world yet and you see the beauty of god in their eyes for the love of a wife or, or a table that has food on it. I could go down the list. There's so much to thank him for. That you fell asleep and woke up. And nothing happened to you or your house. In this crazy world. Do you thank him? Early I will seek thee, King David said. Your spirit said, seek me. And my heart said, I will seek thee, O Lord. See. This is that most beautiful basis of ultimately where he wants to bring us to now. You know, the false prophets of the land, the compromised churches, and the people that have never really known Jesus, yet they, they prance around in his hallways and his churches and amongst his people. Spots and blemishes, they're called. They mingle themselves in your feasts. They're sowed by the enemy in order to bring a church that was once glorious down to where it is now. But he says, there are those who will remember what they once had. And, 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 and he goes on to say, it's humbled in me. I've, I've been humbled. And once you reach that beautiful place of humility, this is afforded to you. And this is what we anchor in. Verse 21, can you read that? This I recall to my mind. Therefore, have I hope. His hope is rekindled. It is the true repentant heart. It is what America and all of us need now more than ever. That, that repentant heart, that humility. It is our very preservation. If we'll admit that. If we'll, if we'll focus on that. Hope will rekindle. And, and, and we'll remember in verse 22 that it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because yeah. his compassions don't fail. He could have just sent fire down on all of us, right? It'd be all over in a second. But but even now, he's reaching. And, and, and your mercies and compassions, Jeremiah goes on to say, they are new every morning. Praise God. <laughs> Throughout the course of my life, just a personal thing, I've had my share of trials, tribulations, utter failure, 
you know, the working out of my life with Christ and, and, and each and every moment of every day. But the joy of what Jeremiah is saying here is that when I wake up in the morning, it's an opportunity for a fresh start. It's as if God is revealing to me right there every single morning, I'm here. I'm here. And while you still can't, turn to him. Reach for him. Strive and pursue him. Strive for him. And and when you need him most, when I need him most, is when I don't feel like I can even come to him. That's when you got to come to him. They that diligently seek him will know they are new every morning. And suddenly, verse 24, can you read that, Brother Jeremy? The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. This is where he's trying to bring us to. It, it, it didn't preclude them from what was coming, and so it is going to be for us. But once the individual soul reaches this point, suddenly the only thing that matters, the thing that I finally have, you know, cleared enough junk out of my life to realize, and, and the times themselves can do that, right? That's what he's saying here, is that suddenly I, be, I, I know, my soul knows that God is my inheritance. That's all that matters. He's my portion. And now notice, he says, therefore I, I will I hope in him. Hope is rekindled in the big picture. And then he reveals where we need to be right now. Let me just read this. The Lord is good unto them that what? Wait for him. There is going to be a remnant in our country right now that are going to understand these are the days that he has prophesied would come. And we're going to be brought through the sifter, if you will, of the time. But we will come out understanding that he is our inheritance. You can take everything this world has to offer. If I have the Lord, I have everything. And he's good to them in these kinds of times that that are waiting for him. The soul that what? Seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and what? Quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Matthew that Jesus saw the sheep, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, scattered on the mountain searching for Christ. And it says that he was moved with compassion. Because they were as sheep without a shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and said, Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his field. For truly the the harvest is great, but the laborers are few, the workmen are few. Brothers and sisters, we need to begin to pray that God would send us men and women of God, men of God, uh, to, to gather the lost sheep of the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there are a lot of them are scattered out there right now. But we see the compassion of the Lord. And really, you know, we're waiting for him now. Yes, we're going to have to fasten our seatbelts. And, 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 you know, it, you know what it feels like to me, brothers? It, it, it's almost like when you go on one of those roller coaster rides at an amusement park. And, you know, and, and, and then they strap you in, right? And that, that big iron bar comes down across your waist. And you've been buckled in real tight. And then you, like, take off out of the out of the ride thing and 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 you go straight up right and you hear the clicking of the of the gears as your your roller coaster is going up to the top you're about to crest over the top that's kind of where we are right now we're 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 climbing up but the ride's about to begin for lack of a better phrase those who are tied to the lord anchored to him and pursue him he's going to come for his church as we leave you this weekend, we leave you with that, all of us, all of us are going to go through these things, but we need to seek him. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people that are humble, 
and that will come to him just as they are, that won't hide themselves in the in the bushes like our former father, Adam, did, right? Trying to cover up what they really are. Get out from under the bushes, rip off those fig leaves and run to him naked as you are. And you know what he'll do? He'll clothe you in his love. He'll wash you in the blood. And he'll see you through. We love you. We thank you. We're praying for you as we pray that you pray for us. These are not days to be afraid, though they are fearful days. Our hope and our trust is in him. And just like he said, the Lord is good to them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Even so, Lord, return quickly as our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Jeremy, would you close us out? What a thought-provoking podcast we have had, the very least. I pray that it encourages us to examine ourselves and and the opportunity that God has given us. I mean, everything that we study today, but these these verses that just popped out, that it is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Today is the day for someone who's listening. This could be the new beginning. This could be a day of where God can strengthen you and, 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 and help you if you just ask him, as Brother Marty said, as if you just humble yourself. We thank you so much for taking this time, especially those of you who are listening for the first time. We pray that this word has encouraged you and let you know that there is still hope if you call out to his name, if you repent. We love you with all our hearts. And yes, let us be praying for one another as we pray for you, pray for us. Lord willing, the Lord allows us, we'll be back here Monday with another discussion study on the Word of God. We love you. God bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. And keep looking up.